Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Oh, Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, beloved by millions of former horny teenage boys for her stint hosting USA Up All Night, equally beloved by millions of women for the multi-million selling Ah Bra, and the author of the memoir, Up All Night. It is my great pleasure to welcome Rhonda Shear to the show. Hello. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. I love that intro. Thank You're you. funny. Well, give it time. <laughs> I love the obstructed view of the Hollywood sign. It's right out there. You'll have to take my word for it. Um, I did not, as soon as I saw that maybe you would come by and be a guest, I immediately said yes but it was only really when I got into your book a little bit that I realized just how excited I was to talk Thank to you. you because you're not – I'm sure you hear this from, from people a lot. I know you hear this from people a lot, but it was only when I got into it a little bit that I realized that you were like a, a big figure in a formative time in my life. Yeah, I, I probably did get you through puberty. <laughs> or, or... I mean, I'm not – I'm not saying exactly what I was doing <laughs> with my body when I was watching U.S. Up All Night. That's not even what I mean so much. No, as, but I get it. <clears throat> it was like I was the perfect right age for. I was old enough that I wanted to like hang out and do stuff, but I was right. young enough that I wasn't actually allowed to be out of the house past right. like ten or. So you were sneaking to the TV set. So oh no, I was allowed to be up. My parents would go to bed, and my sister right. would go to bed, or she'd be out or whatever, and I had the whole house to myself, and I'd be. Sneaking outside and having a cigarette, right? Ah. Sneaking some a, a drink out of the liquor cabinet or something. I and love I was, that. I was a musician. Love that so I was I'm, part of that. I'm like playing guitar. I'm writing songs and stuff like that. And it's at that point in my life, it's either MTV's on all night right. or USA Up All Night is it's on true. all night. There, there wasn't the, there wasn't anything else. That was it. Well, for particularly for me, because uh, we only had basic cable. We had HBO right. in the beginning until my parents caught my sister and I. We were both in the five, seven-year-old range watching Porky's. <laughs> and it was far from the first time that we had watched Porky's right, right. together. So we lost um, real cable for a really long That's time. so funny. So it was it was you. And, and USA was the first basic cable channel. Mm-hmm. They had like 90 million viewers. Um, a woman started it, Kay Koplovitz, who came from Madison Square Garden. She was ahead of her time. And we got away with everything because it was the beginning. It was like the Wild West. And so we would this little basic cable show that wrapped around movies, B-movies, that were paying for all the big shows that USA was starting to produce. So it was a fun, fun time. I did 450 shows, uh, worked every week. week. So literally I had a job. I mean, we were never off like a sitcom. Look where you do 22. We were never off. 50 weeks. 50 weeks. Per year. Per year. And now how much – because – I think you said you'd often come up with as much as 45 minutes of, of material. Depending That's on how much they cut out of the films. It's really, depending on how much nudity or language was in the films, or maybe the films were short. Yeah. Um, Some brutal editing. It was, brutal not, editing. It was not subtle. <laughs> so people, the kids thought they were going to see more or hear more, and then they'd cut it. And then Gilbert or myself, he, he hosted on Saturday nights, would come on. And, and then we would do, I mean, sometimes they were really 
you know, elaborate shows and shows where I interviewed many stars through the years. And sometimes there was as little time to fill as 10 minutes. But um, I was the only, I'm the only one I think that has like all 100, well, maybe not all 450 shows, but I used to get a copy after every show. That was in my contract to get a video of my part. And USA Network destroyed them all for the tape back then. So there's nothing except for what I have on uh, Rhonda Shear TV, YouTube, and what I still haven't put up. I have most of it on, um, you know, downloaded to DVD and then putting more and more on YouTube all the time. So it's kind of fun to have that. I even had the movies back in the day, but I got rid of those. I, I couldn't put those up. I, would, I don't own those, obviously. But no. people still ask for those films. Those B-films, people loved. There's something about, that was the tail end of a, of an era. It was. In so many different ways, just those movies, they seemed so risque and seemed like the end of the culture that it's, you know, class of Newcomb High and it's trauma uh, and trauma. Deca- decapitations and <laughs> breasts everywhere and everything, but they seem- Shower scenes. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, women in, in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, ninjas. Yes, this is a serious situation, <laughs> guys. We definitely should take a shower immediately. <laughs> Absolutely. But they were really innocent. They it's were. It's just kind of like what I grew up with, you know. It was it just there was innocence to it. So I think that's why people really reminisce about it. And it's their childhood, just like what I grew up with, which was the Flintstones, basically. And Bewitched and I Dream of Jeannie. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's what reminds you of your youth. And there's something really sweet about that for all of us. So you get into your youth in, in detail in the book. You're from New Orleans, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of pageant stuff. Mm-hmm. I was interested i don't want to make this political at all but you uh had an extended i don't know what you would call it encounter with a, a much older politician <laughs> right when you were much right i i well he had he was in his mind having the encounter but i right. was thinking it was funny there was a pursuit it was uh governor edwin edwards the governor about. the governor and he was really well known because he was just known to be literally like the father of the state he had a reputation for being a womanizer he was devastatingly handsome Mm -hmm. and i met him this sounds crazy but at my junior senior prom he wasn't at my prom but he was in a facility a convention center where there was different events going in different rooms so he was at a political event and i was at my junior senior prom and you know there was a kind of a meeting area where everybody went out i guess smoked back then whatever i didn't but um he saw me and he made a beeline to me and just started chatting me up. The next thing you know, he's calling me at, at my parents' house, and my parents are on the other extension, long before cell phones. And, well, that's uh, exciting. It was, it, it, it was the father great. of the state's on the phone. It was really cool. They must have been concerned. No, because they knew I, they knew, my parents scared me so much. I was, you know, but there was I was giggling. He it, because when an older man, when you're that young, I mean, I was literally sixteen, um, is calling you. It's funny because he's telling you, you know, oh. He had this nickname. He was Bandito. So he would like oh he would say, oh, I'm Bandito's on. calling, and I'm writing your name in the sand, and the waves are washing it away, and I'm thinking in Baton Rouge. And um, he <laughs> tried to talk me into uh, going to school at LSU Baton Rouge because that's where the capital is, and he would see me more often. And it was just funny to me at the time. And then I did speak before one of my early stints, which I think ended up getting me into stand-up comedy, was speaking before the House and the Senate in Baton Rouge, yeah. where I... I kind of said a flirty remark, and I got a standing ovation from an all-male Senate and House of Representatives. And you were 22 at that I, point? I wasn't even. Oh I my was goodness. 18, maybe, or oh, 17. Okay. Probably 17, because um, it, it was right before the Miss USA pageant, so I had just turned 18. I mean, I, I was turning 18, so I just kept that in mind that you could use 
you know, you, you can use certain things to your benefit. And it was kind of interesting because my parents were standing in the back of the room and he's like, our parents are here. And he, I, I said, I'd like to thank the governor for making it all possible and for me being here today. And, and it was just very interesting. I just won't forget that. Right. But um, also the the sound of applause, I guess you never forget from a room full of people that you, important, you or that. Least seemingly important at that time in your life. Well, they are. They're the state legislature mm-hmm. of the state that you're in. They they are a pretty big deal, and particularly they too. were a pretty big deal. So I, I kind of fell in love with politics back then, and mm-hmm. ended up running for office. I did a lot of things before moving to Los Angeles. So by the time I hit 23, I had won all these pageants. I spoke before the House and Senate. Yeah, I ran in. for office. Was accepted at law school, and um, just wanted to give it a shot out here. And I think I had beginner's luck, and that was it. You know, once once you're bitten, you're bitten. So real quick about the guy in his 40s chasing the 16-year-old, <laughs> I was curious what you thought when the whole Roy Moore thing was going down. I'm not saying that sort of thing could never happen in the North, but do, do it is, happens there, everywhere. is there something about the South, or was there something about the 70s? No, I really think it's everywhere mm. and all the time. I mean, I even see it today with friends of mine who you know, are kind of powerful people in different industries and they women or girls look young older than they appear to be and they're like boy I'd like to go out with her and I'm like she's 17 so I, I, I think this is it happens all the time and um, certainly there's never going to be a time where an older some older men don't enjoy the uh, the company of a younger woman for several reasons. I think when they look at a younger person, they feel younger. It makes them feel better and about themselves. I have a lot of friends who are married to uh, younger gals, mm-hmm. and and sometimes it really really works because they're meant to be together. Uh, and then other yeah, times, some men are children in their yeah, minds. Yeah, and, and other times it's just wrong. Um, and then of course you read much of the book, and then, and I certainly went through the whole casting couch thing here without ever laying on it but but I definitely had episodes which were frightening yeah I want to talk through a lot of the Hollywood stuff but with all due respect to Mm -hmm. the things that you have accomplished Mm -hmm. I also just got the sense that you I don't want to say Forrest Gump but just situations find you and I I, like you just find yourself addressing the state legislature when you're a a teenager true you find yourself making out with Fonzie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which I know that you auditioned. You, you earned that, but you know what I mean. No, you're right. I had a lot of that. I was I was also ahead of my time here and then behind my time because I definitely should have probably grown up in the 50s of the Marilyn Monroe era and, and Jane Mansfield and the over-the-top blondes because I always loved that. But um, I grew up in a time where women were trying to change, you know, what sexy was but unfortunately it was still the era of charlie's angels and wonder woman where they were strong women but they were still wearing bikinis (laughs) so women were still victimized um as characters so it got to the point where i kept you know trying to play against my type in in terms of what i look like and the girl next door and i could never play it i mean i would be told wow your mouth moves too sexy i'm like i can't i can't that's just the way i'm made yeah you're a thing you know, so it's like finally I started playing myself, and that's right. when I found stand-up because it was truly my own voice, and that was hard because when I started in the early '80s, it was Paula Poundstone, it was it was um, um, who else? Uh, um, Is that Rita Rudner? Rita she, Rudner, yeah, right. but I mean Rita Rudner was the most feminine for sure. 
Um, God, but she was wonderful. I feel like her name gets forgotten I love a lot. Rita. No, she was just in my mind. She was like great writer. Seinfeld, all the people like the humongous Seinfeld. people. She, of to that me, time. she was the female Seinfeld. Her yeah. writing was beautiful, mm-hmm. uh, and she's pretty. And she worked more of the feminist side. But I, I and she was before me. Um, but definitely, but she was still very mild. Mild. Yeah. So, but I came along, and I wasn't so much that it was dirty humor that I was doing. But I was wearing short skirts, and I was pushing my sexuality or sensuality on an audience that hadn't seen anybody physically like me on stage but once I got the women in the audience okay that they felt like they could laugh then their dates and boyfriends could laugh obviously I was much younger and you know and but I was determined to do it I was told no Sammy Shore who was married at one time to Mitzi Shore who owned the comedy store yeah um he was running a showcase and he was one of the first people I worked for and he said you might as well go back to law school because this is never going to happen and like that just stood out in my head it's like don't tell me no I will do this and I sat in front of the laugh factory and the improv and the comedy store until I got my time and then finally worked my way up to headlining and um it was awesome and opening for people all the way through my up all night days so uh, I still still dabble a toe in it every now and then. It's just that I'm lazy to write, and you have to stay obviously current. But sometimes I'll just get up on stage. I mean, I have comic friends that are still working right. the road, and they'll get up, and I just get up and talk, and it seems like it's easier now. Well, if they come through Florida, like you'll just yes. feature or something? Yes. Well, there's a lot of... Um, a lot of stand-ups now that lived here that live in Florida, there's a lot of work on the East Coast. So they kind of work the East Coast a lot. Favorable tax situation. Yes, favorable tax situation. And also a lot of friends, oh, they also work the whole cruise ship thing. And so because cruise ships, when I, I really wanted to, I did a, do a couple of them, but you couldn't you couldn't be naughty at all. You had to be completely clean. Well, now there's like nightclubs on cruise ships. So a lot of comics work cruise ships. So I thought about actually doing some stand-up to get the book out there. I mean, I have a book, you know. Mm-hmm. It's called so Up, talk, all night. Up All Night. It's available now. And so I thought it would be a great platform to even sell books after the show. And I'm doing some autograph signings, which I'll be doing Saturday. Yes, you will. But um, but I thought that maybe, not not headlining. I don't want to headline. I wouldn't even want the pressure of that. I, I can't even imagine headlining and then having people, like, pay their checks while I'm still on. Oh, that was the hardest part. But um, but I would love to feature even MC. And I had a show for a while called... Um, up all night has been my in my life, so I use it because I love branding. Mm-hmm. Um, up Rhonda Shear's Up All Night Pajama Party, where I had the whole group of women comics on stage in their PJs, talking to each other in between everybody's like ten fifteen minute set. So it was very uh, interactive with the audience, and I've done that. I mean, I, even in the last couple of years. So I so it's like it's still in your blood. Once you're a stand up, it's in your blood. I think, and yeah. I love making people laugh. Even I utilize that um, on Home Shopping Network or HSN as much as I can. Does it take the pressure off that you know you, you've made your bones? I I gather you're financially comfortable mm-hmm. because of this uh, right my, my crazy my second business. career that you've you've, <laughs> you've had. So. Nobody wants to bomb, you know, and everybody wants to succeed. Right. But you don't have that. You don't have survival right. I don't have the hunger. Yeah. That's really what it is. And I think that when you have the hunger. It's good at a certain point. It is really good. It's really good. I I think it'd be so much fun to audition as an actress because, of course, you'd want it. But I don't. The hunger's. I mean, you you can't create that hunger. The hunger's either there or not. Like, I commend people like Seinfeld. Well, they're not auditioning. I mean, when Seinfeld gets a new show or anybody, you know, they're just getting the new show. But to audition after you've done a whole other career, another. It's like, why would I have to do that? I mean, I I don't mean it in a snobby way, but it's like, you just feel like, oh my gosh, you're you're more relaxed. But um, I was on KTLA 
morning news this morning, yeah. and they were asking me about, um, is it harder business business is a book close to, well to me show business is business I always for me I treated it like a business I mean I never uh lollygagged during the day because my parents were behind me and they they really wanted me to make it whatever making it is yeah. and um well, I've always I love the saying that uh show business is the intersection of art and commerce yes interesting and it's cool. kind it's kind of a 50 50 thing it and is I find it so immature when people refuse to accept it's business you, you can business you, you can have a beer afterwards and bitch about how your creativity is being stifled just like everybody else does right. about their job right but never forget if you want to know why they're making an emoji movie get your head out of your ass oh my gosh it's a business you have yeah. to treat it that way well when i came here i treated it that way from day one i mean just yeah. i knew no one here so just what i had to do it's it's different today but you still have to work i get it so i get it you know I don't know if branding was as important as it is now. If anything, I sold myself too hard back then. How do you mean that? Um, even using Up All Night, I used my name Rhonda Shear as opposed to coming up with the name Bambi. Or you know, I used my own name because I wanted to get my own name out there. I thought the name was perfect for it was it the was, version of yourself. It was that you perfect, were except you know, once I was off that show, it was really hard to actually get real roles because when people were thinking of me strictly as Rhonda, uh, <laughs> excuse me, as Rhonda valid. from all night which yeah. is fine you know and then Thank now i would love people to remember that you know it's it's funny oh people to, remember. Oh, they do oh they do but i mean yeah. my my gals who know me strictly from which is fabulous uh my line the ronda share brand like i'm known as the bra lady which is fine that's all good too could be worse oh no no i'm not complaining at all i love i love what i do and i love having a completely different second career yes it's That's appealing. So I can, I can cool. understand that. I can absolutely understand. I love that. it. I love the business, but I learned so much from the business of show business. So when people think it's not, then they were just dabbling in it. If you don't just put your head completely into whatever business you're going after, then you're not going about it the right way. Right. So you and I have, I think, very similar attitudes toward this town, and uh, it, like you say, it's a business, and you have to treat it that way. So mm -hmm. you have to make your affection for the town sort of a hobby. You can, you can't have the stars in your eyes when you're actually uh, like oh, absolutely from not. nine to five. But I get excited every time I and drive. You I drive past the Paramount lot. Oh, I love that you say. Well, you pre I don't know if you read that in my book. It's like when I walk onto a lot, and the, there's a certain smell to me of a studio or a lot or um, yeah, a soundstage. It's just I still get excited over that. I used but to I live, think you need to yeah. get excited over that in any business. But, yes. Yeah. I, I, I can't believe more people don't feel that way. I used to live down a half a block in Culver City from uh, – it was the DeMille studio. It was De it was Desilu. I mean, yes, they did, I, I love Lucy there. I'd walk past and I'd see, like, a, a truck that would say Arrested Development on the side. I'm like, oh, they've got props in there. That's going to be on Arrested Development. I love development. that, too. And I don't feel – like, it blows my mind. It, Actually, it, I've never heard anybody talk the way you're talking, ever. I mean, I'm not saying that other people don't feel that way, but I've never heard anybody express it. It's awesome. Because I loved every minute of it. I loved walking. I was able, you were able to, like, you know, cheat, get yourself onto the set and then eat in the commissaries. I love that. And I know it would probably be much harder today with, you know, everything just getting onto a lot. I snuck into the Fox Animation Christmas party. That's awesome. And it was just I, was I so, talk about that. I was I so excited. About yeah, your party sounded a lot better than mine. But, I mean, just mine. in general. I mean, but, it, you know, those were just... Those were amazing moments. And I, I got here with it. I told you I wanted to go to a restaurant that's kind of old school. I mean, there was still touches of old Hollywood. Yeah. So Dominic's I, is closed. I love that. I mean, that Schwab's was still open on Sunset Boulevard. That's By the, the way. That's, that's the soda counter, the yes, ginger I, I don't know if, uh, who was, no. Lada Turner. Lada yeah. Turner. But I don't even know if that was still there, but the, the drugstore was. Mm -hmm. So we, we took, my husband's with me, Van Fagan, who's my business partner. But yeah. We took Sunset 
we always, I love driving Sunset. Mm-hmm. I will never get tired of driving Sunset. And um, I believe my name is still up on the comedy store wall, which is exciting to me. Of course it is. And I'm going to look never, for it the next time I'm there. You never, ever get tired, or at least I don't. But I, it's a zest I had for Hollywood. Still do. I love it. And um, But I was also smart enough to realize at a certain age, you have to change. If you're not at a certain name level, you know, you need, there is an expiration date and you have to move on in your life, whatever that be. Yeah. And I It's felt, sad when people don't realize. And that. I, yeah, I feel like it's really sad. I mean, I, listen, I still have friends and they make a living. I think stand-up comedy is the hardest career to give up because I have friends that are still doing the road and I'm like, oh my gosh, I couldn't, I just couldn't. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I, I admire them and they stay current and they're awesome and, and, you know, I'm a little jealous too. At the same time, going, oh, I love that life because I did love it. I loved. I, I have also Come friends. On, you could book a couple of weeks if you wanted to make a little summer trip. And I know. Well, you know, I actually loved working the road. So now comics here in Los Angeles. I don't. Maybe I'm, I'm wrong now, but they didn't want to leave because they wanted to stay around for pilot season. They wanted to just see at the local clubs. So they never worked the road. And the road is what gave me the experience to be able to headline mm-hmm. all over and even in Vegas and other places because. The inside jokes become too inside here, so yes. you had to kind of go out and and I did have the horror stories on the road, and I'm so glad that I did. <laughs> right. No, see, I've been I've been doing a little bit of stand up, and I go up at the comedy store and stuff like that, right. and I and I'm aware of the fact that I, I L A so audiences are, are are challenging, but I know the people I'm going to talk to, and sometimes I'll write a bit, and I'll be like, this is going to work great in Hollywood, but God forbid I it, ever tried this outside. I'm I'm well aware of that, and I know that I, I need that, so I can tell why you did it, because I, I know that's what it. I need to do. And and so I'm kind of old school, too, and, and I dated a comic, and he would tell me things like Woody Allen. I think it's in my book about like you'd have to try a joke a hundred times on a Saturday night. Well, it's true, because you, you get a laugh like the first time you try a joke, and you're thinking, I have a winner. Then you try it the next, and there's like, you know, tumbleweed. There's nothing. And then you have to keep trying it. Sometimes you can work it out, and sometimes it just it never works. But audiences on the road are, are completely different. They really are. They really are. And so it's I like that excitement. And I also enjoy the challenge because people told me I couldn't do it. So I did it, and I'm, I'm glad I conquered that. So you auditioned for uh, everything. <laughs> it, sound, it sounds like. Because so I want to ask, as I started to say I've earlier. i eclectic life, I have. I, I, I absolutely respect the things that you have done, but I'm fascinated by the the world that you were around. I think it was such a, you caught the end of old I Hollywood. Did, and, and So first of all, auditioning in general, I know a lot of the things that you got, but did you, is there the, the one that got away for you? Is there is there a thing that you went hard for that is like an iconic role I think the one that, that got away, else? and I actually talked about it, and then I ended up getting press on it, and then I didn't know... Um, was happy days so i did a bunch of happy days and then i got it it's in the book mm-hmm. i got a television commercial the day before we were taping and i took off to do the commercial with the um, approval of jerry paris and gary marshall and and everybody else i had to ask that permission you actually talked to gary marshall yeah because so they cool. cast me over and over on the show and yeah. it, just little parts but they started using me without auditioning which is like so cool so here i am i'm doing because i moved here to get a sitcom I didn't want to be a television star. I wanted to be a sitcom star. That was it. My mm-hmm. eyes were completely focused on that. So the sad thing is, so I'm on this fourth Happy Days that I'm on, and it's a kissing scenes with the Fonz. <laughs> I, Thursday I had a rehearsal. I mean, I, I taped this Church's Fried Chicken commercial. I show up on Friday morning um, to shoot, and my name is off the dressing room door, and I go looking around. It's not there, and I see a stage manager, and he goes, well, Henry wants to see you in his dressing room. So I go to his dressing room, and then Henry gives me this lecture how I shouldn't have taken the commercial. 
and that if I was really serious about acting, I would have taken the acting job. But I said, here I am. I'm 23. I'm in tears. And I said, I said, but I asked everybody. And I, I mean, I would never take off. Never. I mean, and that's means, money that'll keep a struggling actor afloat. Hello. Yeah. Residuals. And I said, I would never. And I explained that to him. And he goes, well, something like this happened to me in college. And I had to learn the hard way. So I'm going to make you learn the hard way. So he had me fired. So I talk about it in the book. Mm-hmm. And so publicists reached out to him. And they said, you fired Ron Desheer. And he said, no, I didn't. Well, the truth is he didn't. He had me fired. But it was his ego. And it was his, listen, I mean, I know everybody loves him. But there was a side of him. I mean, he broke my heart. But not only did he break my heart for getting that. And maybe he was right, but I did get permission, which at that age wasn't so far off college or asking your parents for things. You got a note. So I got a note. Yeah. And, and it kept me, it blackballed me from Laverne and Shirley and Mark and Mindy and Happy Days and every sitcom where I was starting. Those people loved me so virtually. And, t- and t- it took me about eight years before um, the casting director, Bobby, I'm like on his last name, but from Happy Days, you, uh, called me again when he was finally off the show so and I was like now 30 yeah and you made sense in that world I can easily say and, and it, this I is mean, right around when Fonzie was literally jumping the shark so maybe that's this it is, this it was, is also it was when, literally when, like when the Henry Winkler of, was jumping right. the shark it was the second I think it was the last either was the last season or the second to last season yeah. and so anyway this got picked up and and so he's actually answered back <laughs> I mean I never like confronted him or anything about this but I do think that's it's not the, the show that got away. Although, I had a comedy partner, and this I for, completely forgot about. We were asked to go and audition for Saturday Night Live in 79. And I'm like, I don't want to leave L.A. I just got here. So we didn't go. Yeah. Uh, so I that, guess I got that, away. But, mm, was but, that the tail end of the good cast, or was that right before the... I guess it was right the before... The Piscopo years? Piscopo <laughs> years. It would have been... I mean, it had to be 79, 80... Uh, my friend Kenny Ellis, who was a comic still here, and then he, he now he's a cantor. He goes, "You don't remember that?" I go, "I really didn't remember." And he and then he he then then it my brain I went, "Oh yeah," and but it just didn't mean anything to me that time. I didn't want to move to New York. I moved here to be a sitcom star. Mm-hmm. So if you're young, you're uh, so I mean I can't be that upset. I was more upset about the Henry Winkler thing. Yeah, hindsight and everything is twenty twenty. You can't. You, you know what? When I say in the book, you use all those experiences and everything I ever used came full circle in my life. It really did. Even from designing costumes to whatever I did, I've made it work. To selling myself and branding myself before it was cool to do that. I've learned how to brand my own brand, which I tell yeah. all young people that you have to do that. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It, well, you landed on your feet, which I think makes it easier to just I've, have to work. But but if people sometimes people make missteps in their youth, professionally or otherwise, that actually do end up screwing them over long term or, or or permanently. It's I think it's easier when you go. Well, it, it would have been easier. it would have been great if I'd been on Happy Days, but then I did do this other thing. Right, just another door opens. But you know what's interesting? I, I, I won't mention it at all. Obviously, I would never mention names, but I met some young people today that are on a new show. TV and what TV show? A TV show. Yeah. And I mean, I know I'm older, so you know, older people become kind of transparent. I'm not that. I'm still kind of cute for my age. But um, I agree. <laughs> but um. I mean, and I realized that, but I, but when I was their age, which is probably mid twenties, I still would have been cognizant of everyone in the room. It was a green room situation, no matter what age, and because you never know who those people are. So I might, I might not have gone up and shaved, but I would have definitely said hello. And they were so into their own world and so snooty, newly cast, new people that they were clueless. And to me, you have to, you have to just not in all light. In all walks of life, you have to 
know who's around you and be respectful of that person and maybe say hello because you just don't know. I could be a major casting director, a major producer, who knows? And I don't think people look, they're, they're so caught up in their own world that they don't see around them. I you always, seem like you hit the ground as way more of a mover and a shaker. Yeah. Than... I did, but, but I'm, I've always been nice to people. I've, I was never, ever, ever snobby because I had a TV show or I was in Miss Louisiana. I mean, I get, people become like really big-headed. And I, and I, I was... Oh, God, I wanted to ask you about that. Like, like debut, I met one real debutante one time. Like, that's real... I know that you were not yeah, yeah, in that yeah, world yeah. exactly, but you, you uh, rub yeah. shoulders with those people. Oh, yeah. I have actually a young girlfriend who's, who's a debutante who I adore. Um... But I can't understand that. I guess I was just taught, you know, to my head to keep my head together and be very grounded, because my father would say that all the time. You meet the same people on the way up as you meet on the way down, and I think that it just makes you not only a better person, but you learn, mm-hmm. and you learn by listening to people. And I learn a lot of times. I just listen, and I think you can learn so much. Sure. Well, I, I think um, in... you never stop learning in life, no matter what age. Well, right. Why? Why would you? You may as but, well I mean, even up. staying current, you know, I love yeah. listening to, I love young people. I have great young people that work for me and design for me and sell for me. And I love listening to them because I learn and I, and I want their advice. I would never go, no, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. No, I've been there, done it. No. So I think it's a complete learning process. And as long as you have that zest for life, that's why I never want to retire. I love what I'm doing. I love helping women through, you know, now intimate apparel and apparel feel good about themselves. So as much as I got off on get hearing laughs from an audience, which is a great high, as you know. Um, no, I'm not, still waiting for the laughs, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> well, I heard a cough the first time I, I worked, and I thought it was a laugh, and that kept me going. Um, but the same thing when people, testimonials are like, oh, wow, I love what you've done. I feel great about my body, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's a high. So um, business of show business and business of corporate, entrepreneurial, it's all good. Yeah, if you love if what you you're love, doing, it's if, not work. There you go. Right, right, right. It's right. not work if you love what you're doing. For the and most stay part. grounded. Yeah. Stay grounded. You can learn a lot from other people. Well, I think in, in entertainment, I've sort of observed, I don't know that I've put it into practice as well as I might have, but there are a lot of flaky, weird, artistic- And they don't last. Damaged people. Any or all of the above get attracted to this industry, and they right. may be very, very good at writing a song or delivering a line One or whatever. One wonder. Right, but they're they they don't have they're not actually competent. You know, I I always feel like as a person, I actually became an adult when I became a waiter. I Absolutely, did, you know, at college and school, and that's great. And all I that. get it. But once I actually ran around as a waiter, you, I had never. You were taking care of people, exactly. And you have and 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 maybe you hated it sometimes, and mm-hmm. maybe it was gratifying the other, and that is what it's all. You just said it. Yeah. Well, Woody Allen, whatever the quote is, eighty-five percent of life is just showing up or whatever. Like I can at least say that I show up. I show up every day, and I usually have my head right. on straight. And frankly, that seems to put me ahead of at least half the town. Absolutely, because staying—you just said it—it's staying power, right? And look where you are—you're behind the mic, and you're young, and you've got so much more to go. Oh, and I'm not—I'm not that young, and this may be as far you're as I go. Young. But I'm, I'm, no. I'm happy. I'm just and happy to be here. And Thank you listen you. when you—you you know, it's. I love talk. I wanted desperately after I realized I wasn't getting the sitcom because of Henry Brinkler. <laughs> That's not true. Um, but in case you're listening, I met him once. He was he was, he was lovely to me. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> um, but in case uh, you know, I always wanted to do a talk show because I just think it's so interesting learning about people of all all walks of life. People have such great stories. So now that I'm this entrepreneur, mm-hmm. um, people bring products to my husband and I because we live in a town where they do so many infomercials. So you've seen all the as seen on TV, everything, and. 
the whole thing because of Shark Tank. I think everyone and their mother has a has an invention now. So a and lot of, and they're emboldened to share it. Yeah. They are, but but you have to. I always say you have to get it out there. So even though it's scary because you get it out there, someone copies you. You still have to get the product out there. But I meet people that are so creative, but it's so they're so passionate about it, and that's what you have to be. If in, it, it can't be, oh, I'm really cute. I'm the prettiest one in the room. Hire me. I mean, you really have to have something to offer. Right. So uh, I, I was struck by um, you really loved your experience with Playboy. I did. I did. And it was not like, I mean, my goodness, going out on some of the auditions on main on a major studio at major studios were way, I mean, they were demeaning in some of the situations that, that I came across. Playboy was never demeaning to me. Hefner was always great. I was surrounded mainly by women. And um, the first time I did Playboy, with all my clothes on in 1978, 3,000 years before you were born. Um, hey, they I came, was one. <laughs> they came through town looking for women of, of, uh, of the New South, whatever that meant. And I even told the photographer, I'm wasting your time. But anyway, I ended up in the magazine. I got paid $250 for posing in an antebellum, like a uh, Scarlett O'Hara dress. And they were very nice, and that was it. And then I got thrown out of being the floral trail queen was that kind of debutante thing that I was. It wasn't a title like a Miss Louisiana. It was, it was like a social thing in New Orleans. But the society, the other debutantes, <laughs> couldn't believe I was a Playboy thing. They had the title removed. And then I sued the floral trail society to be reinstated as queen because I, I hadn't done anything wrong. It was, this is when I realized it doesn't matter how old you are. You have to stand up for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't just being, I understand you were clothed, but wasn't just being in Playboy that's sort it. of. It was just the connotation of Playboy that they were mad but at. Isn't that kind of Still? risque? I, I was 1978. I don't know. Well, I mean, the women around me were naked, but I wasn't doing anything. I was sitting there. In, yeah, in you, a, you, know, f- you know, the company, <laughs> company you keep. <laughs> well, anyway, that was the connotation back then, so I was deep flowered, queened, whatever, but I fought for it. Anyway, Playboy got the biggest kick out of it, so they kept writing about me for years. They mm-hmm. thought it was the funniest thing that this organization, this old Southern organization, had me dethroned, so they kept writing about me and writing about me, so we had this great relationship. I started getting invitations to go to the mansion for various parties, and long story short, I brought in 1991 Women of Comedy because I was so tired of hearing that layout, that idea of to do a layout, of hearing that I was too sexy to be funny. So finally, so it ended up being a layout and with other comics, other female comics. And then, then they came back to me a year later because Up All Night had started to take off to do a celebrity pectoral. So it, they just kept circling my life and with always good stuff. And even when I did the Up All Night, it was done really funny. I mean, as funny as you can be half naked or maybe a little more than half naked. Yeah. But it was, it was done with a lot of humor and over the top and really making fun of myself. Yeah, I, I saw the, the bowling alley. I was mm-hmm. doing research for I mean, that. It's, yeah. it's not, you know, all these girls are like, I can't do that because I'm the one with the toilet paper hanging off the shoe. So for me, it's just easier to be, make fun of myself than it is to be really serious about sexual situations. So anyway, Playboy was always good. And as, as late as like three years ago when we were still designing for Crystal Hefner, who was Hef's last wife. So just full circle. Yeah. And now um, what, the mansion just finally I think it's old. I think it did. I think someone had, it was a really unusual arrangement. As I understood it, the guy next door is some right. guy who made a bunch of yeah. money in tech or something and, and bought it. But the arrangement was that he couldn't he actually have there. it until Hef... You know. Well, it was just sad, yeah, until he passed away. But it was sad that in the daytime, it really was so tired and old, and it had needed updating. But 
Yeah, they I went. Know, I went in the grotto n- not all that long ago, yeah. and I think the grotto had probably oh. seen better days. The, yeah, well, just the mansion. Just, the, but it was still. It's still historic. I mean, of course. It, I think they should make it into a museum. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be something. It's it's uh, yeah. It's gonna. It's sort of out of the it's way for a, for a for a tour bus. But yeah, I just I went into the the bathroom and um. I mean, if, I, I, if don't, those I don't want walls wanna, could speak. I, I don't, stars yeah. that went through there. I mean, it was always interesting. And I have to tell you that. You know, if anybody was bad during any of the parties, any of the males, they were thrown out. If anybody made a pass, I mean, it was really true. If you felt scared or somebody was out of line and you said something to a guard, they were gone and their name for a male and they were taken off. And to get a guy into the mansion was impossible. I mean, you'd have to send his pictures, resume, credentials, no matter what they were doing in life. Uh-huh. And um, I got my husband in, which was really cool when we were newlyweds uh, many times, actually, is I got six friends in a few years back which was really cool it was on all their bucket list well the male cu- part of the couples and, of course and it was just kind of neat to to be there at the very end it's kind of funny that for as much sleaze as there was in the world and in hollywood 70s 80s what have you you would have thought that playboy was the sleazy was, was even worse and they and they weren't but there was they obviously weren't. a lot of sleaze i'm curious about the classic casting couch yeah that's the sleep but that's what i'm saying at least when you did playboy you i mean they were supposedly looking for the girl next door in in terms of look and if you did porn or if they found out you did anything like that you were you were banned yes you couldn't any longer so it is what it is i mean it's it is nudity but then you have this whole thing behind the scenes where you're auditioning you have studied theater, you, or at least in my case, theater communications, and you have this career, and you move out here, and you have your parents' support, and you're auditioning for a role that is your career, you think, and some guy says, you know, you need to take off your clothes and act out this scene with me. It's a love scene. And and then I'm thinking, I just graduated from Loyola, whatever. In my mind, I'm young, and yeah. I'm not naive because my you studied parents— studied with the Jesuits. I studied with the Jesuits. They're honoring me in May. I'm so excited. They really are. My school, it's, it's, my parents would be very proud. But um, so anyway, I had this, this background and then this upbringing, and I'm mortified. And then another time, uh, a major owner of a, a major team owner, NFL team owner, I was at a party with other girls and models and actresses, and he sent one of his henchmen over, and the guy offered me so much money to sleep with this man for the night because he liked me. <laughs> he liked the way I look, and I was like, what would make you think that I would sleep with him at all, much less, you know, for money or with that? Anyway, it, it would it would blow my mind. I mean, I wasn't naive, but I guess it was so insulting to me because the way I was brought up and who I was. So, But this happened so many times. And it was literally, physically, sometimes scary. And there were situations. It was one situation that was really scary. But, but I was also, I was never stupid enough to go and audition in someone's hotel room. So I don't get when I hear some of these stories that it's a little frustrating to me too it's I think it's gonna go too far it's tricky well it's already gone too far look here's what's gonna I've said this a million times but this is the messy necessary period where well why did she wait 20 years to say well you don't know you weren't there very few people are going to be satisfied with the way the things the situations and and, the way it's come out 
the, anything that anybody's talking about that happened in the past, almost no one's going to be happy with the way that situation is resolved right. here in the present. But what it will do is it will For inform the people's actions in, in the future. I, I think it'll definitely lessen. It'll still happen. It's just human nature, and it happens in every business. Hollywood is obviously the prize is really big. Mm -hmm. happens in Washington, obviously. Look at that prize. It's all about power. It's power that someone has that they think they can use on someone, which is really sad. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen male to female either right. so that's what is frustrating to me is i mean yes i am part of that me too movement but i would hate to see that you couldn't still be flirty and have fun with someone that you work with or say you look nice and then that be interpreted as something else like uh, you know i it's going to go too far. This is a market correction, I would like to think, and we will find our way back I think to, you're to, right. to some, I think, to some I think. new normal. Because you, I mean, but it was crazy what used to happen. Did I get this crazy. correctly? An agent called your parents, parents? all the time. And But wait, an agent called your He's parents and said you should, you should- I love saying names. That you should sleep with Yeah. Him? Well, he used another word, but- um, he <laughs> Wait, said, called your parents and, and used yeah. a, a more vulgar language than your daughter <laughs> should sleep with me? Yes, because he would make me a star if I did. And then I heard. I mean, what, I, does, what does your dad say when he's on the he phone with? He pretty a, much told him off, but he didn't curse. But he he told him off. But the, you know, my parents were the good thing about it is they always knew that I wasn't that wasn't me, right? And so that didn't happen. But I actually heard recently that one of the people that he, somebody just went down, went down literally, who was a manager that uh, came through my life. I mean, who was a really big manager out here. Yeah. Well, so, this justice is going to be. There's. They're going to go down. I well, mean, some I of think the guys, some of the worst guys are going to skate, and some of the people who maybe weren't even as bad as some of the other people, maybe weren't even bad at all, are going to go down. This or is even just, the ones who just had cards that said producer. But the ones that I encountered in my life mm -hmm. were all legit. They all really. I never had or never <laughs> had that radar not to go with someone who had a card that said I'm a producer, I'm a director. Le le mine were legitimately happened happened in studios on auditions. Um, Maybe a dinner or a couple of times where I met someone through someone, but they weren't in social situations. So it was it was pretty bad. Not as much with that. I had a couple of interesting experiences with actors on set, but that didn't bother me for some reason. I just figured, eh, I'm an actor. I got a big ego. I'm going to try to use this to get laid. Pardon me. but So I never felt threatened by actors. It was the other situation because literally sometimes I was in, you know, in an office with just someone, and it's scary if someone can overpower you. You call yourself, you describe yourself in the book as a prick teaser. And this is what I thought was interesting. Say, and your mother was one as well. <laughs> That's a really weird thing to say about your mom. This is why this book has to become a screenplay because it would be so funny, kind of along the lines of Joy Magana, who was an inventor. But um, I just think it would be very rich with characters. Uh, my mom was a southern belle who had brothers that were really hard on her and so they would wipe lipstick off her obviously i'm talking many 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 years ago um so she was beautiful and so when she finally got married i mean she i mean she literally i think married my dad to get out of the house although they were in love um but everyone loved, I mean, she was the kind that literally was a movie star gorgeous if she walked by you'd turn her head so she liked dressing Sexy, and I don't mean sexy, sleazy. I mean, but she would show off her figure back for the time, meaning like you know, wasted dresses, you know, with with a with a belt. I mean, she never dressed dowdy, never. I mean, even that's what I don't get about women who there's such a there's a you can totally show it off without appearing to show it off. Right. Like, it's like there's it's like I don't I don't have a problem with bragging. There's a right and a wrong way to brag. There 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 is. Like the person who leads with, did you know I'm the producer of blah blah blah.
you're stupid because if you don't bring that up, the person's going to find out, and then they're going to say it to you, and you're going to, oh, well, yeah. And, and, and now you've got double the points that you would have right. initially because it seemed like you tried to hide it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, so. my mother was about <laughs> putting it out there. Uh-huh. But I don't mean putting it out there like I understand in, entirely. So she would say, you know, you're only young once in a certain time in your life where you can look a certain way. You've got it. Flaunt it. But don't let them touch. <laughs> I'm like, so she had to be a PT, you know. But, I mean, she wasn't doing it to to turn guys on or, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anything, my mother had me so afraid of my shadow in Hollywood and so afraid. I mean, I did. I hid behind. I, I was so afraid of casting couches or, or guys making passes or putting something in my drink. This was long before they did that. Um, that I, I was terrified. If anything, if I was overprotective of myself. But maybe that's better because I took uh, – I mean, I, I literally would listen to myself a couple of times. I think I got myself out of some really hairy situations. Yeah, it sounds like it. I, so you, you, you said uh, you described Bob Hope as basically gentlemanly. I'm under the impression that Bob Hope was not very gentlemanly. And I, tell you, I got that. I didn't. Oh, no, he was totally naughty. I know this from a girl that was Miss Louisiana. Well, I was three different Miss Louisianas, but Miss Louisiana World um, before me, uh, I actually took. I mean, took the crown from her in my year. She, he kept her in a, in a, in a, an apartment out here for years. And, um, he had a lot of mistresses. Yeah. So I, I've was, learned this primarily from your yeah. former not quite co-host, but Gilbert Gottfried has a, an oh, ongoing obsession funny. on his podcast, which I know you've been on. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. We did the funniest, dirtiest podcast ever, ever. I loved his blurb in your book. I love, I just, I love him. Um, but yeah, another guy who's different, but yeah, and he gets obsessed and he loves old Hollywood too. Mm-hmm. But uh, Bob Hope was definitely he was gentlemanly with me mm-hmm. personally, and but there was no doubt that he was a player. And why do you, I always why do you think he treated you differently? I just you know I did that show with him, and then I did a couple of other just PR things, and maybe just maybe I wasn't as tight. But he he never hit on me, never. Um, I, I but I can't say that about red buttons. <laughs> Yeah, you know, he seems like a classic dirty old man. That doesn't surprise me at all. And Jackie Mason and you know people that Wait, what did Jackie Mason do? Everybody knows Jackie just, Mason. I think he just wanted a date. But I mean, Red Buttons wanted, told me what he wanted to do <laughs> to me in my ear, in front of my husband. Though, so it wasn't that many years ago. But um, anyway, these old comics—they were naughty boys. They were that whole Rat Pack. I mean, they were they were bad boys. Um, I don't know when I say they were bad boys. If they didn't just use their power to get into someone's pants, I don't think that they were putting Mickey's in their drinks. I could be, I mean, I think they came on to a girl, and I mean, this is where I say that it's both ways. If a, if a woman goes, okay, I'm going to sleep with you if you help me, that's her choice, and she's going to do it, and she's stupid if she thinks it, or maybe he does help her. I don't know. I'm sure that people have slept their way to the top, both male and female. I'm sure of it. It definitely has happened, and... In, 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 perhaps will continue to happen. Well, and if you're a guy who most people, most men have to operate by the normal boundaries of sexual, you know, dialogue. And then all of a sudden you get this new stature and some people do throw themselves at you or make themselves available to you. I don't totally hold it against you if you start to think, I can just throw it out there and she'll probably say yes, because you're basing that on and Your I'm experience. sure, and that will continue to happen. And I think yeah. that's what happened with those guys. I mean, Johnny Carson, all those guys had reputations. Johnny Carson's a director. I did a Mighty Carson R player, and he hit on me. Um, but it wasn't but nasty. But not Johnny himself. No, no. He was completely, we taped it. He was great. And then he went on about this day. But his director asked me to a party. And, you know, but he, 
but I understand that. That's guys, and, you know, no one was, was he wasn't, like, throwing me on the ground and, and trying to have his way with me. You can ask anybody out. Right, sure. and you can also ask to go further if, you know, it's up to a person, a male or a woman, to say no. If you say no, then stop it there. Mm-hmm. That's my thing. If, if no is no. Um, you know, I hate to think that every audition you go on, that would be based on not your, you know, your talent, but... But I, but listen, I've kidded. I'm also afraid to kid about this anymore because everything's so politically correct. I've said, hey, maybe I should have slept my way to the top because then I would have been a star. But I mean, I kid. I never did. I never did anything. Um, and and by the way, there were a couple of people who I was very attracted to who did go on to be major moguls who did have reputations of being really naughty boys. But I didn't date them because I I was just afraid of them. But they but I was attracted to these people. So, I mean, that right. can happen, too. And I don't want to minimize or say anything that blah, 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 We're blah. A, it's, a, it's a business of a lot of good-looking people. Well, I know somebody. You know? I know a female who is attractive, who is in entertainment, but she's trying to have a bigger career in entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I've heard her complain, well, just once I would love for an agent or a manager to want to meet with me um, because they actually were wanted to give me work, not because they were trying to sleep with me. Right. And I think you'll agree, I hope you'll agree with what I'm about to say, which is that stinks and that is disappointing because you work on your crap right. and you want to be taken seriously as a professional. Right. That having been said, many people cannot get in a room with those people right. and you are getting an opportunity, granted not the way anybody would want it, but you're getting an opportunity by getting in that room and you sh- could theoretically turn what they're trying to get on its head and use that to get what you want. And it seems like that's been a lot of your career. I've done that. Yeah. I've definitely done that. Um, Real quick, I just, this is the last thing I want to ask you about. I really wanted to talk about the Eric Estrada thing (laughs) on chips. That's what I was talking. See, that didn't scare. Well, it did scare me a little bit. I just didn't. Is that crazy? I felt I was like reading between (laughs) the lines a little bit. Was he? He was coming on to me. Was he on on more than coffee? Uh, Well, I don't know. See, I was. If he was, I was too young to know that then. But it was an episode. We were all on a barge, and it was the first taping of the season, and or, or filming of the season. And we were all at sea, and he literally grabbed a megaphone and told the entire cast and crew that if they didn't listen to him, he was firing everyone. So I this had. Like, the Happy Days thing had just happened, like, six months before, so I was terrified. Not of him, but I didn't want to lose my job. <laughs> anyway, then he whispered in my ear things he wanted to do in my ear, but... I never trusted Punch. I, <laughs> I, I believe you entirely. I worked with him years later, and he was fine, he, nor did he remember. He didn't bother me at all. I have to let you go, but... Oh, my gosh. What a what fun conversation. It has been great talking to you. It has Thank been a pleasure you. to uh, to meet you. Let's let everybody know. So you're doing signings this weekend on Saturday? Yes, I'm so excited. So here's Saturday. It's called The Hollywood Show at the Westin near the airport. It's tons of celebrities um, from that era. Gosh knows. If Henry Winkler's there, I'm going right up to him. I'm going to tell him he ruined my career and he better cast me in a sitcom. No, but it is exciting. There's going to be a lot of people there. And that's Saturday. And um, Sunday you're at the Grove. Sunday I'm at... Barnes and Noble at the Grove, legitimate bookstore, book signing of up all night, and I'm really excited to go to the Grove. I mean, just everything about it in Barnes and Noble, and um, I thank you for bringing that up. And you can go to rondashear.com, get the book, or Amazon, and and uh, come shop for underwear with me. <laughs> Sounds great. The book is called Up All Night. Very, very lovely. Thank you.